all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Violence. Why does it happen? Why are some people more aggressive than others? And why do some resort to violence? Are some people hardwired to be aggressive? When in a violent situation, why does somebody stay there? Some people stay there instead of getting out. Well, we'll talk about this and more today. I want to hear what's going on in your life, so you can share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and today we're talking about violence. Violence and aggression, why does it happen? Why do you think people are more aggressive than others, some people? And why do some people resort to violence when they feel angry? Do you think some people are hardwired to be aggressive? And why do you think when someone's in a violent situation, like domestic violence, why do some people stay there instead of getting out? There are really reasons out there about all of this, and we'll talk about it as we go through the show. Um, not just domestic violence, but, but violence in general. There's a lot going on in our society over the last several years. But honestly, there's been violence in society since humanity. So what causes it? Um, why does it happen? Is there a way to prevent it? What can we do? So a couple of questions to you, listeners, and thanks for being here with me again this morning. Were you an aggressive person who resorted to violence and then you found a way to overcome it? I'd love to hear from you if if that was the case. Or did you grow up in a violent home, a home where there was chaos and fighting? Were you abused? If so... How did it affect you as an adult? Do you, do you think many of us can overcome that? Um, I want to hear how you did, if you did. 
And and then I'd like to hear some thoughts from you about your views in general on why there's been an increase in aggression and in violence. Um, and go ahead and give us a call now. You can start early joining the conversation at 877-MPB-RING. That's one 672 Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. And um, just a couple of things I want to tell you about. Uh, Thursday, this Thursday, October 24th, is Safe Save Day. It's Stop America's Violence Everywhere. So that was started by AMA, um, the Alliance Association, in June of 1995. And they've worked to try to make everyone aware of the violence that's out there and how we can contribute to diminishing what's going on in the the violent world. Um, the other thing is this is Domestic Violence um, Month. And so a d- Domestic Violence Prevention Month, obviously. And so I want to talk about that, too. But we already have two callers, um, and I want to go on to the lines. We have Jill in Gulfport. Good morning, Jill. Thanks for calling. Good morning. I've been a psych nurse for 30 years, and I have had the pleasure of working with some wonderful doctors. And one of the doctors I work with said to me that childhood trauma, like emotional, sexual, or physical abuse as a child, creates anger. It's, he, he explained to me like our brains are like computers. And the child feels so out of control, they get very angry if any of these things happen during childhood. So people don't realize that maybe they should all be taking parenting classes and maybe they should all be making positively sure that that child does not suffer any kind of abuse because he said it's scars that create damage that sometimes last a lifetime and it creates uh, just so many emotional uh, problems as an adult if you get that happen to you as a child. Well, Jill, you bring up a point that we certainly need to discuss, and uh, that was that was part of where we were going today. Is that there are a lot of there are a lot of things that contribute to the violence in individuals, but one of the main contributors out there, even if you're hardwired to be a little more aggressive, to act on the aggression in a violent way, often is um, made to happen by your environment. And so chaos in the home, child abuse, uh, sexual abuse, um, even if you witness domestic violence and you are not part of uh, the uh, abused, uh, many times it can cause uh, a person to become as an adult, violent, because that's what you learn. So often it's learned behavior. And, Jill, I'm sure you saw many, many children who were significantly damaged from that that terrible exposure that they experienced as a child. And, and unfortunately, what I saw was uh, 
they were in the child unit, then they were in the adolescent unit, and then they were in the adult unit. Yeah. So they went from one unit to the other. Uh, if they didn't, it's it's they need really intense therapy for this problem. That's exactly right. So, Jill, I know you'll agree with me on this. One point I want us to make is that, and you already said it, take parenting classes. Know what to do when you have a child who's misbehaving. We know that there are a lot of individuals out there who had not, who had a terrible model on how to take care of children and did not receive nurturing as a child. So they need to sort of relearn what their model was. And so parenting classes are a great idea before anybody even considers becoming a parent. So, (laughs) yeah, I thought they should have a degree in college, at least one year college degree in parenting In parenting. Well, you know, it doesn't even have to be college. It could be high school to start talking about parenting. And, you know, one one other point while you're on the phone that that I want to make is that you just said something. Children are hospitalized um, in the child unit, the adolescent unit, and then the adult psychiatric units. You know what would happen? You know how we could prevent that? Um, not just getting them intensive help once they had problems, but to start back with infants and make sure that they get the right kind of nurturing and surrounding in their home. And if the parents don't know how to do it, the parents get the the help. And so that's been right. That's been one of my missions for a long time. And so it sounds like you're out there singing the same song. So I appreciate it, Jill. And well, I thought it would be just wonderful if when a child is born that the parent gets an assignment for parenting classes and, they, and they're supposed to go and they just give them appointments and let them go to parenting classes because the child needs safety, structure, love. Those three are so important. You're right. All three. Well, thank you so much, Jill. I think, you know, another issue that we've talked about is perhaps home visiting, having someone to go into the home and help people out who are in need. Everybody doesn't need it. Some do. So thanks for your call. I really appreciate you starting us off. Okay, let's stay on the lines. We have Ryan, who's on the road. You're being careful, right, Ryan? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Both hands on the wheel. (laughs) Thank you. Speak up, if you will, just a little bit, Ryan, and tell us your thoughts on this. Um, Well, I'm a, I'm a, uh, growing up, my father was a pretty aggressive person. So Mm -hmm. I, I, as your last caller was talking about, was a witness to um, aggression and even in some cases, domestic violence. and I kind of leaned toward that for the majority of my childhood, many fights in schools um, and suspensions, things of that nature, uh, until I actually had a, a, a traumatic event that actually had a different effect on me. Um, I actually witnessed my mother uh, stab my father. Um, yeah. and, and he lived, uh, thank God, but... Yeah. Um, I realized that this is where violence leads. And in in that moment, I kind of made a decision that, you know, nonviolence is the way to go. It's not, you know, it's not the best way to get your point across. So, Ryan, how old were you when that happened? I was 13. Wow. 
that's an impressionable age, and that you know, I there's been a lot of study on what makes some people be able to do like you did, be resilient, say, nope, not going to do that. I am not going to allow myself to go down that pathway. And and some people, on the other hand, at 13, who witnessed something like that, um, get enraged and just follow the path that was started for them. Yeah. Um, so... And- what do you think caused you to have the strength and the ability to to turn the other way? Um, to, to be honest, I I can't really say anything for sure. I think uh, I've always been a kind of like a lighthearted person. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, I feel like in one of the questions that you ask is why do people turn to violence? Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like the the best way to get like normally when we're hurt we want others to feel our hurt it's the old saying misery loves company mm-hmm. you know and sometimes violence seems to be the best way to get across the hurt that you're feeling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me I've always been a light-hearted person and I haven't I don't know if I can say that oh you know I attribute it to this thing or that thing but what I will say is you know, just in my thought process, just in the way that I viewed the world, uh, I've always been kind of like a hopeful, you know, I want to see the good in people. And I just started taking a different, different view on things, you know. Fabulous. I have another question quickly. Did, did you have someone in your life who helped you see the positive or was it just innate? Did you have a, an aunt, an uncle, a sister, uh, uh, grandparent who perhaps helped you too? I wouldn't say a person as much as a thing. Music has always been uh-huh. kind of what I've drawn to. My my father, even, you know, with his shortcomings, uh, was part of the old school age who listened to like the Luther Vandross, the Al Green, the yeah. Marvin Gaye. Yeah. And uh, I think I would say that music had a huge impression uh, on me and to helping me see, you know, that there is good. Ryan, thank you so much for calling in because you, for people who right now are experiencing any kind of violence or um, in the throes of it, uh, you point out that you don't have to follow the model. You don't have to follow the pattern. So thank you for that positive. And, And a lot of people do seek comfort in something like music. And so that's a that's a good way to kind of shut out the bad and and listen to the the positive in life. So thanks so much for that. I really appreciate your call. Certainly. Thank you. All right. Well, I know um, Bill was on the line and he was on the road and I'm afraid he had to drop off. Bill, call back um, if you if you can. I know it's time for our first break. Uh, When we come back, we're talking about violence and aggression. Aggression is one thing. We'll talk about that definition also when we come back. But then why does does it move to violence with some? How can we stop it? What when we what can we do and what causes it? Are there people out there who can be in the midst of it and still come out okay? The answer is yes, but how do you do it? Um, give us a call. Join in the conversation. 1877 MPB ring. That's 18776727464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. 
This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. Dr. Susan Buttress. Children grow and change so fast, it's important to help them build the strong foundations they need to help develop lifelong skills and succeed in school. Whether it's singing songs in the car or counting steps while walking to the mailbox, there are many ways to help young children learn new skills and reach new developmental milestones. Even before they can talk, babies can make connections and respond to adults' words, sounds, and facial expressions by clapping, waving, or smiling back at them. Not only is it fun, but it's important to talk, read, and sing with children. More at MississippiThrive.com. an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about aggression that leads to violence. Why does it happen? How can we stop it, and um, what can we do about it? Did you grow up in a violent home? Did you feel like that perhaps there was no hope but then found the ability to come out of it okay? Or are you trapped in one of those violent situations? You know, I was looking at Mississippi statistics, and about 40% of Mississippi women and 26% of Mississippi men experience an intimate partner physical violence at one time in their life. Um, It may be rape. It may be stalking um, or something like that, or it may be ongoing domestic violence. And so there are emergency shelters out there. Um, there. There are ways to get out of it. There's help in every state. Our surrounding states also have help. Um, when we, um, Mississippi actually, Uh, has dropped from the fifth highest in the nation to the 34th highest in the nation for number of females murdered by men um, since uh, the formation of the Attorney General's Office of Domestic Violence Unit. Um, So that was a very positive thing. But we still have exceedingly high numbers, um, and so do all of our surrounding states. So why is that? What can we do? Um, You know, our first uh, couple of callers talked about children in violence. Jill talked about working in a psychiatric unit and, and how once a child is hospitalized for whatever's happened to them as a young child, it's unfortunately many times uh, a continuation. So good help is needed, good follow-up for individuals who have experienced violence. But, But also what we need 
is um, to stop it before it happens, um, to not accept it, to realize that even if there's an individual with an aggressive personality, they don't have to become a violent person. So um, I'd love to hear your stories, what's happened to you, um, or if you participate in perhaps something that helps uh, diminish the violence. You know, we know that violence is multifactorial. Um, We blame the media a lot, and um, certainly the media is a contributor. Uh, We have terribly violent video games that are out there. Uh, Children are exposed to incredibly violent things that are posted on YouTube and all out there um, in many forms of media. You know, violence on television is just a tiny, tiny part of what's out there. And so we know that's a contributor. Certainly, we've talked about the environment. And I want to talk a little bit about sort of that innate um, difference in personality. Uh, But just because you have that is not an excuse for engaging in violent acts. Um, We know that just because you're a bit more of an extroverted and perhaps aggressive individual, you're, you're not... You don't, you're not going to have to commit a violent act. And there are many people out there who have learned to control it, either through um, therapy or sheer determination um, not to allow that to happen. Like to hear from you about your thoughts. You can call one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Yeah, Michelle, good morning. Good morning. I I have a question about um, that. We talked off air about um, when you talk about innately being born a certain way. Some people feel, just what do you say when you have a young child um, in elementary school levels and they're very aggressive, they're um, very violent, um, they had the movie Firestarter, you know, back when I was younger. And this movies of, they had The Good Son, that movie The Good Son. Right. It scared me when I was little. Just yeah. normal looking boy, and he liked to hurt animals. He uh, wanted to hurt his sister. And just the parents would never imagine that their perfect little boy was this evil person inside. Do you believe people are born evil? born bad quote I'm doing the air quotes air air quotes bad yeah so um, you know there is some evidence that aggression is partly genetically determined Uh, we know that animals can be bred to be aggressive right when you be breed the most aggressive um, dog or other animal with each other. So you have two aggressive, already aggressive individuals. We know that can happen. So children who are aggressive as infants have also been shown who are who are more aggressive are more likely to be more aggressive as an adult. Um, identical twins who are in the same situation, home situation, even if it is an aggressive um, or violent home situation, are more likely to be aggressive um, than 
fraternal twins. Okay, so there's some genetic, and I'm speaking slowly about this because I I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm saying more likely um, there have been some genetic studies that have shown that there is a a monamine oxidase gene located on the X chromosome. That's the female chromosome. So women have two, uh, men have one. Um, So there is a gene that produces an enzyme that influences the production of serotonin. Remember, serotonin is that brain transmitter that... um, helps you be happy, right? So more serotonin, um, you have a better sense of well-being. Um, It influences mood, appetite, sleep, and it inhibits aggression. So there is some knowledge that individuals who have, um, you know, the, the gene that produces the right amount of serotonin, then they are going to be less likely to be individuals who are unhappy, have feelings of negative mood, um, sleep issues, and aggression. So there's genetics there, but we know that that is not the only thing. And so we also uh, know that the majority of times, even if you have some negative genetic makeup, a good environment um, that na- nurturing can help you overcome if it happens very early on. If a, ch- if a child with already this gene is in a negative, abusive environment, for several years, even after taking out, they are more prone to have more negative, aggressive behavior. Do I believe that there's just this bad seed? I have a lot of trouble with that. I really do. I firmly believe in the ability to to start with an infant and to get them in a better place if they're taken out of that situation soon enough. Well, just like our caller called. Yeah. He said he was um, right. saw the abuse around him. His father was abusive, uh, and he decided he made the choice. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to go on to Bill, who's on the road. Uh, Bill, was that you who called earlier? Yes, it was. Oh, thank you for calling back. All right. Uh, my parents... I believed in working hard, going to church, and you could get what you wanted to get. But I found out if I reached up there and smacked them, I could get it quicker. So as a child, I was real mean. And I was like that for several years until I went roller skating and fell on a little girl and married her. (laughs) After that, I've been a different person. So she helped you change, it sounds no, she like. She made me change. She made you change. So um, are you saying that, so in, in your It fam- was easier for me to go up and take what I wanted yeah, yeah. than me working for it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you got caught, the penalty was nothing. They slapped you on the hand, tell you not to do it again. Yeah. And so how did your wife make you change? Tell me what she did. She said, I love you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I think you're bringing up a point I was asking earlier. So many times it's an individual 
in your life, it it might be that spouse. It might be a parent or a grandparent or it might be a teacher. But typically people who are in a negative situation and a negative environment, that one person who who reaches out and says, I care about you and I need you to be okay and I want to be with you and I want to stay with you, but I can't, right, unless you... Um, become the person you need to be. And so it sounds like you had that in her. How long have you been married to that woman? 48 years. 48 years. Well, good for her and good for you, Bill. It sounds like that's exactly what needed to happen. Um, Sometimes it's not that simple, but I'm glad it was. So you innately had the ability to be kind. You just sometimes what happens, and you, you bring up another good point, is that sometimes individuals who are aggressive are reinforced by their aggression by allowing that aggressive person to win. Yeah. Um, and I, we talk to parents about that all the time. Um, the worst thing you can do is let a child hit someone um, and take something from an individual and be allowed to keep it. The same thing goes for the temper tantrum or the refusing to do something. If you are allowed to escape from what you're supposed to be doing, um, then you'll keep doing it. You oh, just yeah. got rewarded, right? Yeah. But like if you do it when the parents are not around and they go to your parents, oh, my baby didn't do that. Right. So ownership, taking ownership for your actions um, is also highly important. So, Bill, thanks for your call. Thank you. All right. We really appreciate it. I'm told we need to take one more quick break, and we have some callers on the line. Y'all hang in there. I want to hear your stories or questions. We're talking about aggression and violence. What can we do about it? How can you avoid it? Give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. We're talking about aggression and violence, what to do, how to deal with it, how to get out of it. Um, We've had some great callers, and I'm going to go right on back to the phones to Mitch, who is at, Mitch, are you at Mississippi State? Yes, ma'am. I'm the department head of psychology here. Uh, Oh, hi, Mitch. Thanks so much for calling. I appreciate that. Tell us what your thoughts are. I know you have some. Well, (laughs) yes, I've been uh, studying aggression and violence for 30 years. And um, the first thing I want to say is that aggression is a multi-determined act. Right. And uh, as you know, and uh, there's many causes that uh, can lead to somebody behaving aggressively. And also the rates of aggression and violence really haven't changed much over the years. And interestingly, almost anybody is capable of engaging in aggressive acts. That's interesting because I think so many times people think that 
that um, you're just if you're one of those individuals who is is going to do it if you're one of those aggressive outward bullies. But that's not the case, right? That's correct. Anybody's capable of aggression under the right circumstances. Uh, one of the most uh, powerful illicits of aggression is perceived provocation or threat. And aggressive individuals, people who have higher levels of aggression, tend to view provocation or threats um, somewhat differently than other people. So one thing, Mitch, um, as I've worked in this area for so many years, I think people have the misconception that it's always the the bully who creates the worst violent acts. But it's it's not so much that. And you're sort of bringing up that point is that sometimes people internalize things and reason them out incorrectly as to what the action was even about that 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 occurred to them as they view it, right? Right. You call it social information processing. People with deficits in social information processing might view a minor transgression as something more threatening than somebody who doesn't have uh, that predisposition to respond aggressively. Right. Uh, bio- biologically, we know that certain um, People may have biological predispositions, such as altered 5-HT systems, mm-hmm. that may make them predisposed to respond aggressively to situations. But we also know some people have altered 5-HT systems and don't behave aggressively. So it's, it's, uh, there are a variety of factors that can go into um, why somebody might respond to a threat or provocation with aggression. Uh, one thing I don't think you mentioned, I, I just got into my office, is the role of alcohol and other drugs in aggression. They're- Not yet, but that is a <laughs> big piece that we need to yeah, mention. Yeah. Right, right. So we know that alcohol, when people get uh, reasonably drunk at, say, BAC 0.08, that it alters their perception of the environment, and they tend to focus on the most salient cues in the environment. So it heightens people's response to threatening uh, stimuli out there, provocations, that's why we see, you know, uh, likelihood of fights occurring in bars seems to increase right. as people get more drunk. And more. more drunk, yeah. yeah. So alcohol and drugs certainly will increase it. Mitch, I really appreciate your call. We have a couple of other callers, but you know what? I need to speak with you sometimes if you will send me your information to family at mpbonline.org. I would love to bring you on as an expert on the show, if you will. I will do that. Okay. Thank you so much for your call. Okay. Delighted. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, Lisa in Gulfport, thanks for being patient. Tell us what your thoughts are. Sure. Um, I was very interested what Mitch had to say. Yes. I'm a large family, and uh, we all have the same mother and, and father, and it's interesting that one of them, uh, the brothers, is, um, for lack of a better word, a sociopath. He's been in trouble with the law. He's had substance abuse pro, uh, problems, um, various, and he is aggressive. He is mm-hmm. aggressive. So, I mean, I'm thinking, do sociopaths tend to have more aggression? or? Um, that's a really good question. Um, some, some do. Some are more um, aggressive and find pleasure in, in aggression. And, you know, a sociopath is a 
personality disorder. And um, the view in many is that that's in a there's a lot of controversy about that, though. And as Mitch was saying, so much of that's multifactorial. You mentioned that one of your brother's has substance abuse. I don't know if any others, but that certainly can contribute to um, if you already have some mood issues, it can just push you over the edge to have more significant problems, especially if there's a true addiction going on so that um, you you have the need due to withdrawal issues uh, to constantly medicate, self-medicate yourself. And so, um, you know, there can there can be so so many different issues. But you bring up a point and I know there are other people out there listening know that, you know, you may have one sibling who who was sort of the 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 quote, black sheep. Um, Mm -hmm. But we need to always keep in mind that uh, just because you grew up in the same family, you didn't always grow up in the exact same situation. It may have been somewhat changing, Mm -hmm. if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So, yeah. So, Lisa, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Bringing up the the sibling differences. All right, we're going to go to um, next, Ron in Satio. Hi, Ron. Talk to us hey, about how are, how are you, Dr. Buckers? I'm great. Thanks for calling. And by the way, I'm not the famous Ronnie from Satilla, Ronnie Agnew. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I did want to tell you, as, as a child, I had um, rheumatic heart disease, and uh-huh. I was kind of um, the wimpy kid, Okay. So as I grew a little bit older, my only way of um, handling um, situations was to be really violent. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was either, you know, on one end, wimpy, or the other end, really violent. Then I took some martial arts courses, and I took some self-defense courses. And once I knew I could, you know, if I had to whip the other guy, I could. Mm-hmm. It enabled me to just walk away from some situations, mm-hmm. and it, it really does help, you know, if you know, hey, I'm better than that. Yeah. My other observation is kids I grew up with, and, I, and I'm talking about brothers, grew up basically the same way. I've been in their homes, met their parents. Um, you could have one brother just totally violent and the other one just, you know, kind of meek and mild. So I don't know that I don't really know the nature of um, nurture or is it inherent right um, but one common denominator dr. Buttress that I saw and I can't think of one exception the ones that grew up and became excessively violent usually in jail abused animals that's the one thing I found in common with all of them and I do have a question for you what's the kind of ratio of women convicted or uh, yeah convicted violent crimes compared with men yeah i bet it's i bet it's really different if you know that i'd like to yeah. hear from you and I'll, I'll let you go and get off the phone oh boy ron you brought up so many good points okay let me start with your last question first um men um in general are more often um convicted 
for violent crimes in women. I don't know the exact statistics, um, but Michelle's looking that up for us right now, and we'll have it to you in a minute. But um, for sure. Now, we know one thing that contributes. We said um, aggression and violence is sort of multifactorial. We know genetically. The other thing that contributes is testosterone. Uh, Men have much higher levels of testosterone than women, and so that is already sort of gives them an extra edge on that aggression and violence. And, you know, different men have different levels of testosterone. So that that may be um, one issue. And it may also be one of the reasons that you have... Um, two males in the same family who have more aggression, but also, um, as we mentioned, genetics. Also, if a child initially is somewhat aggressive and that aggression is reinforced by allowing them to have the upper hand, um, then that behavior continues, if you will, on that. Now, something you brought up, Ron, I want to make sure, and Larry, hang in there. I'm going to get to you in just a minute. Um, that I I want you to um, listen to and I want others to listen to is Ron talked about how, you know, sort of as a defensive mode he felt to prove that he was not as wimpy as everybody thought. He he was violent and aggressive. Um, When he learned that he, when he went through the martial arts learning, he got better. Now, let me tell you a little reason why I, I really do like um, individuals with ADHD or autism spectrum to enroll in um, something like martial arts. I've had a good instructor knows how to teach an individual um, confidence, um, discipline, uh, self-respect and respect for others. And and I have sat in on some martial arts uh, classes years ago just because I wanted to know what I was recommending to other patients. And, and something that I saw is they made it very, very clear that you never used your martial arts just to hurt someone. It was only um, a defense. And a lot of time is spent on that self-control and self-discipline. So, um, Ron, it sounds like it helped that self-esteem. And so that's a, a... a big piece, and for parents listening out there, um, often individuals who are bullies have low self-esteem, and so it might be worthwhile to have a, a a therapist, a social worker, a psychologist help you with that if you're really struggling with what to do, um, but also to to help build self-esteem. Sometimes will um, diminish bullying, and it sounds counterintuitive. But it's true. So that was a long answer. Um, but I wanted to uh, get all the way through that, Ron. So thanks so much for that call. Okay, Larry, hang in there. Michelle tells me we need to take our last break. And we'll be right back to get your call and to finish up with our topic on aggression and violence.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We're talking about violence and aggression. Um, what? Why does it happen? How can we stop it? How We may never stop it, but how can we diminish it? How can we keep individuals who are innately aggressive, aggressive from going all the way into violence? We've had some great callers, and I appreciate all of them. We're going to go on now to Larry in Hazelhurst, who has been so so patient. Thank you, Larry, for waiting. You're welcome. I have a rather good news story about how medication helped me control my verbal abuse. Well, tell uh, us it. Yeah, I was born loudmouth as a little kid. My big brother would say, uh, Jimmy don't care, lives across the street, don't talk so loud. <clears throat> well, I got to be a cheerleader in high school because of my loud voice. <clears throat> I've made my living as a preacher for 70 years. <laughs> well, I <clears throat> uh, got my first fight in the third grade, but I was being bullied. Got my second fight, and then 10th grade, I was being bullied. Mm-hmm. My third mm-hmm. fight, 11th grade, I was being bullied. But, you know, two of the three, we became best friends after I stood up to the bullies. Mm-hmm. I'm a little shrimp, and I was always picked on. Well, <clears throat> as I got older, I got uh, more agitated, and about 70, I went to a therapist because I was being so, so abusive to my wife. Mm. And I realized it, so I, I chose to do that. Good and for he you. On, he put me on Lamictal to control impulse. Mm-hmm. And I think it's given for epilepsy to control seizures. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had, I was so uh, jittery, I was uncomfortable with my own skin. Mm-hmm. Well, I get up every morning and I take one of those. I have a good day. Uh, I'm having a better sense of well-being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the verbal abuse is 99% gone. Wonderful. So, Larry, what you're pointing out is sometimes there is a neurochemical factor. And, in fact, it it can can be many times. Um, Lamictal is, um, like you said, it is a seizure medicine. Um, it has also been used um, for some. It's effective as a mood stabilizer. And so maybe that's what it was doing for you. It's not the most common medication used for um, the anger aggression, but um, it has been used, and I'm so happy it was. It worked for you. Um, Larry, the other thing I want to say is congratulations for having the insight and the ability to allow yourself to go get help. You must have really loved your wife and wanted to do the right thing for her. And so, um, you know, you do often you end up setting up a negative pattern um, in response to someone's um, aggressive behavior to you. And so to be able to to get out of that and learn how to deal with it better. Um, And I bet you're really good for your congregation, too, um, as your preacher to to let others know that you can ask for help. I hope you share your story with them. Sometimes it's hard to share a story like that um, when when everybody tries to hold preachers up as being perfect. And we know none of us are perfect because we're human. And sometimes that human story can be so good. So 
twice in my later years, I would pop off to leaders of a church, and I had to move to another church uh-huh. twice within about five years. Since I right at retirement, in fact, I retired basically because of that. And uh, then it got worse. Like I say, uh, after uh, sixty years or yeah. fifty years in the ministry, I, I had to go get some help. Yeah, so I, good. I still, I, still, I still preach every Sunday. Good. I don't have the pop off uh, impulses. Okay. That's great. I'm so happy that you were able to do that. And, you know, people, go get help if you think you need help with this. All right, we have time for a quick last caller. We have Debbie in Butte. Hi, Debbie. Tell us your thoughts. Oh, I just, I was a battered wife at a very young age. Oh, goodness. And I'm I sorry. grieve, you know, three, two of my children witnessed a, a great deal of violence. And they grew up to be have a violent tendency. They're not, you know, it's not as bad as it, it's, they're getting better. They're in their 40s now, and I'm in my 60s. And I went on to become a successful RN and raised the children by myself. And uh, it was um, one thing that I that I did do was I learned how to fight back. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I don't recommend it for everyone. Yeah. But um, that's what saved me was getting away and learning how to, self, yeah. how to take care of myself. <laughs> yeah. Debbie, thanks for your call. I'm, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. And and um, that's something, by the way, that we will post on our, um, on our website is um, where you can go for help. There's a helpline for those in domestic violence. The best thing you can do is to get out of it. If you can, it'll protect your kids and protect yourself. So, Debbie, thanks so much for calling in, and I'm glad things are going better. I want to thank all of our callers um, and thank Michelle, who was our call screener and our producer. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking. I just love having you guys call in. Stay tuned now for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.